0: Welcome into another edition of the Prep Extra podcast. I'm Colton Stone alongside Chris Bassnett. Uh, we're going to recap the previous week of prep football, look ahead, hit on some city games, hit on some notable games from the area of the state. Um, a, another good week of football, but another week where we said ah, these teams are just as good as we thought they were. And, you know, not too many surprises really from last week.
1: Yeah, not a lot of movement in the top ten. This week, you and I were talking about that before we got started uh, here. And you know, one new team and a couple different classes, maybe two new teams in a class here and there. But yeah, by and large, I think teams have kind of settled in. You know, we kind of know where the where the power is in a lot of these classes, like we've talked about before, and a couple surprises here and there. Um, Oak, we'll give a shout out to Oakland Craig beating number three Hardington Cedar Catholic, in C two probably the big. Upset, if you want to call it that, sure. uh, of the week, um, Lincoln Lutheran beaten Wilbur Claytonia by three touchdowns. But other, but you know, other than that, nothing really surprises you. Bennington and Elkhorn were in a close game, and till the, I think Bennington was scorer till the last three and a half minutes of the first half. Then they scored two touchdowns in three minutes, yeah. and they went by twenty. You know, and that's been their closest game of the year. So again, Elkhorn's three and two played Bennington as tough as anybody has all year. That probably tells you where Bennington's at. Uh, in that class. You know, Class A, kind of the same thing. West Side rolls, Gretna rolls. Kearney won by a couple scores. They have a big one with Grand Island this week. Aurora, again, same thing. C1 Aurora, Pierce, McCook roll, you know, and, right. and you can go right on down the list and, and say that about the top of every class. So yeah, it's a deal where there's not a lot of not a lot of movement in the top 10, but now this week I think you're seeing after a couple Slower weeks in our coverage area. As far as big time matchups, there's a lot more fun matchups this week than we've had, you know, in the last couple weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bennington is one of those that,
1: you know, I, I jokingly
0: say like they at some point they've got to lose one of these games, right? But they haven't. They they find they find a way that it's I don't know if it's second half adjustments or or you know they just wear the other team down. Eventually, they come out in the second half and it's like. This was not the team that played in the first half. Yeah. So, and you can kind of say that you can say that about West Side. They had a you know,
1: little bit of struggle with Miller North, and then they've kind of just rolled. Same thing with Bellevue West. They were they were trailing Bellevue West and Miller North both at halftime, yeah. and then against Bellevue West, scored three touchdowns in about a minute, you know, in the second half of his ball game. So, yeah, it's a deal where that's what good teams do, right? You you make adjustments as the game gets going. And if you're a good team, you execute those adjustments, and they make the difference. That's that's just what you're seeing. I think is is quality teams making adjustments.
0: Yeah, this past week, uh, Southeast kind of making a, a climb back up had a rocky start to the season, 0 and 2, if I remember correctly. Haven't lost since. An interesting game with Miller North because you'd look at the box score, throw the actual physical score out, and you'd say, how you know Miller North clearly hung in this game I and mean, probably won this game. But then you look at the score and you're like, wait, three scores. You look at a team that had over 500 rushing yards and Southeast still put 56 on them and only gave up 35. You were there. That's, again, high scoring, but both both offenses look great. And still somehow Southeast came out and, and defensively played well enough to win. Southeast kind of showed it, showed it,
1: showed its experience. Excuse me. Uh, Miller North's playing a lot of young guys. It was 35 to 7 at halftime. Southeast had the lead. And it was like that because Miller North had a couple turnovers that Southeast turned into touchdowns. You know, they put the ball on the ground a couple times and and things like that. And Southeast took advantage. That's the most points Southeast has scored in a game in at least 20 years. You know, going back and looking through online records as far back as we can, that's the most they've had in a couple decades. And so they built that cushion. Did they relax a little in the second half? Maybe. But Miller North was moving the ball on them in the first half. They just put the ball on the ground, and, and South Southeast got on top of it and took advantage of it. And that's a sign of a team that's playing well. You you mentioned the 0-2 start. And they, they played pretty well against Elkhorn South. Elkhorn South just won the game. They were a little better that day. That happens. They didn't play very well the next week against Lincoln East. Um, blew a 14-0 lead. And now, all of a sudden, a team that you're thinking, and that they're thinking, I'm sure, is that they could have been 2-0 and pretty easily. Now they're 0-2, and you kind of start going, oh, boy, this season could go sideways. But... We've seen them rally, and we've seen them win three in a row. And that's, that's what you kind of come to expect from, a, from an established program, from an experienced program like Lincoln Southeast is. And, and it, it really sets up a fun game this week with Lincoln Southwest, who's 4-1 and, um, and has also spent time in the top 10 this year. Uh, lost to Pepelli and Vista, who at the time was winless. Um, probably stinging a little bit from that one, too. So it's it's a really, really interesting game. Friday night. That's the eight PM special out at Seacrest Field. So we're going to get some some Lincoln football after dark out there. But yeah, two two interesting teams, two interesting stories, and and a big game as far as you know bragging rights in, in the city.
0: Yeah, bounce back win last week uh, for Lincoln High. A couple of bounce back wins actually. Lincoln Lutheran again also had kind of a rocky start to the season. Big win against Wilbur Claytonia, like you said. Pius bounces back after a loss to, well, bounce back from a loss to Bennington. Yeah. That's a lot of teams doing that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they get a big win over Crete. Uh, anything from from last week from those teams that maybe, you know, have, have been a little shaky but that have kind of maybe found some footing now that we're midway through the season? Anything that kind of jumps out to you with those teams?
1: Well, I think I think you kind of touched on it. Lincoln Lutheran, kind of the same boat as Southeast. They started 0-2, and, and you talked to them before the season. They had really high expectations. They had a big senior group back, really great athlete at quarterback and Garrett Hoffs, and, and all of a sudden they're 0-2. And, and at the time, we didn't know how good Wahoo Newman was. They have turned out to be pretty good. So you lose the first week, the, the the sword game to Lincoln Christian by a touchdown. That's a tough way to start. Yeah. And, and again, it's a season that could have gone sideways, but they've rallied. They They scored in the last 20 seconds to beat Aquinas in Week 3 got a little better week four this week they're tied at halftime with wilbur claytonia and they score 35 on answer in the second half so a team that's kind of right of the ship and again it's experience right it's experience that kind of gets that everybody on the same page kind of you you flush those losses and, and you move on i think that's what you're seeing with a team like lincoln lutheran Pius the schedule has just been such a bear for them scott's bluff in that game at halftime bennington in that game at halftime you know and, and you look at the record and you go, well, the record isn't great. They've been in those games, uh, at least for a half. And the question, as we've talked about before, is can they sustain that for four quarters? They're able to do it a little bit more against Creed, who, who isn't quite at the level that you know, a Bington or a Scott's bluff is. But that's what you have to do in those games is take care of business. So now they, <laughs> the reward for that for Pius is go on the road and play Omaha Scott. Yep. So it, it, you're right back into it in, in Class B. So you know, credit to, to Pius, I think, for, for staying with it in a, in a pretty tough schedule. You know, and we talked about Class B, and there's maybe not a ton of depth there, but those top four or five teams are really, really good. And if you're playing a combination of those teams, it's going to be tough sledding. It just is. And that's what Pius has run into. So credit to Pius, I think, for really sticking with it, getting through that tough part of the schedule, playing pretty well for the most part, and, and you get rewarded for it last week, and now you have a chance to go on the road and, and win one of these ranked games. And that, and that, that could really springboard them going forward.
0: Yeah, sticking in Class B, uh, you were at the York Waverly game. Waverly wins 35-7. I I extensively covered Waverly back in 2020, and this team is very similar to that team where, you know, they may not – they'll score a lot of points, but not because they dazzle you on offense. It's because their defense suffocates you that they just get the ball. They have the ball more than you have the ball. Um, Reed Mansett's done a great job at Waverly. It keeps the defense – they've had some, you know – in those in these past two years they've had some changes on that offense but it seems like no matter what they put 11 guys out on on the defensive side of the ball and they they will control the pace of the game it was it's
1: it's funny you mentioned that because i asked man said after the game i said who are some of the guys that lead you on that defense and he proceeded to list 12 guys and, <laughs> and you may not know this but you only have 11 guys on the field at a time uh when you play football at the class b level so and he talked about that they only had two or three guys returning from that defense but they really they love their linebackers their linebackers were so impressive they just flowed to the ball and i there was more than one time friday night where there was maybe a little bit of a crease for a york ball carrier and all of a sudden he gets cut down by a linebacker flying in there i don't know how many times that happens and it's it's not like york isn't well coached. glenn snodgrass has won state titles at eight man he's won state titles in 11 man he won a state title at york they want to run the ball at you, and, and York couldn't do it. They couldn't run the ball at Waverly despite being, despite having a pretty good size advantage up front. They just could not solve those linebackers at the second level. Now you've got to throw the ball, and you don't want to be doing that against a Waverly defense and falling behind. And that was the other quote that kind of struck me when, when Reed Banstead said, you know, it's a 7 nothing game at halftime. Waverly's got the lead and they get a three-and-out punt, go down, score, 14-0. And at that point, you're going, oh, boy, I don't know if York's going to get back in this. And That's basically what Reed Manstead said. You know, he, thought, he said, we thought if we get it to two scores, we'd feel pretty good. And you just don't hear that a lot uh, in this day and age where you see so many shootouts. You see 56-35 or, or whatever it may be. And, and Waverly's whole deal is if we can get it to two scores, our defense is good enough to win the game. And it has been pretty much every game this year. There may be a you know a bad special teams play away from Elkhorn or against Elkhorn from being unbeaten, yeah. you know, and, and that's what it comes down to. So another tough test for Waverly this week Scott's Bluffs coming, making the trip back east again. They came out here for, for Pius week one. Another big team that wants to move the ball on the ground, keep it on the ground if they can. Just, a, I think it's a really fascinating matchup. And Scott's Bluffs kind of teetered these last couple weeks. Island Northwest blocked a punt late, had the ball deep in Scottsbluff territory Friday night. Bearcats had to get a stop. They got it. You know? and, and the week before, it was, it was another close game for Scottsbluff. So it, is Friday night the night that Waverly jumps up and beats one of those top teams and makes moves? Sure could be. you know. It, it, it sure looks like, from what I saw Friday night, that defense will keep them in a the game with anybody. They don't play Bennington this year, yeah. uh, at least in the regular season. I'd love to see him meet in the playoffs. Uh, I just don't I think I think Waverly's defense would give them a chance in that game against a team that really wants to overwhelm you with offense, like like Bennington does. Not that Bennington can't play defense, but they want to beat you with what they have on offense. Waverly wants to beat you with what they have on defense. So yeah, it's you're right. I, I I've covered Waverly once or twice in the past few years, and that identity hasn't changed. You know, it's yeah. we're gonna have the ball more than you. We're going to stop you, and we're going to play field position. We're going to wait for you to make a mistake against our defense, and it's pretty good formula. It's worked so far.
0: Yeah, I I draw. Like I said, I draw the comparison to 2020. They went eight and one in the regular season, only losses a misty game at Elkhorn that they were. I think they lost by three, maybe. So this it's it's a team that, again, yeah. If if they can control the game with their defense, it, it could get scary for you down the stretch. One more game uh, from last week, and then we can kind of look ahead a few more this week. Um, Parkview Christian, seems like they're kind of back to, you know, level ground, starting to rise again. Big win against Sterling. Um, you know, we, we joked that that's our proverbial city favorite to win a state title, but um, seems like they're kind of rounding into form now here through the military.
1: Yeah, had the, had the tough game against SEM where they had an injury to a key guy uh, in a game they led sixteen nothing and ended up yep. losing twenty to sixteen. So you feel pretty good, I think, right now if you're Parkview Christian. They've kind of settled in. They know it's again, it's another team with a lot of guys back from last year, a lot of seniors' leadership, a lot of guys that have played football together. They get Pawnee City this week, number eight and six man. And, and six man's so funny because. You know, you might lose a game sixty to thirty, and you may not have played that bad. You know, it's it's just the way the game goes sometimes. And we know what the top. We've talked about this all the time. The, the The top of the class, and Potter Knicks is averaging almost eighty points a game, which is ridiculous. You know, and they're they're the pretty clear favorite. But yeah, I think Parkview Christian's kind of right where they maybe expected to be. Uh, of course, you think you might beat SEM in that in that game a couple weeks ago. You don't. We still feel pretty good. They've gotten a little better every week. The offense has gotten a little better. The defense has stayed pretty steady, which if you can play a little defense in six-man, you're going to be all right. So I think I think the Patriots are, are really happy with where they're at right now. And this game on Friday kind of gives them a chance to say, hey, we're, we haven't gotten anywhere, and we're going to be right in this thing at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, moving on to this week, again, it seems like we're just flying through the season at, at, at this yeah. point, week six already. We've touched on a few of them, Pius, Scott, can Pius maybe, you know, control in the first half and maybe carry that in the second half? I don't know. Yeah. This this Scut team
1: isn't like the vintage Scut teams, True. you know, and, and that's maybe the thing that we're, we're, that can help Pius. Because like we said, they've been in the game with Scotts Bluff. They've been in the game with Bington into halftime. It's the second half where these teams have kind of pulled away. Pius has to find a way to get this game, I think, to the fourth quarter. And whether you're within a score or you're ahead, if you do that, now all of a sudden you get a little belief on that sideline where it's not, oh, boy, here we go again. We ran it for a half, and, not, and now we're trailing. So I think that's the key for the Bolts. Can they get that thing, A, to halftime, B, into the third quarter, C, into the fourth quarter? If they do that, they got a really good chance to win that game. They're good enough defensively to do it. And so a game where you've kind of run the gauntlet, if you're Pius, scut maybe isn't what it is has been in past years still a pretty nice win if you can go on the road and get that one
0: Thursday as well Lincoln East at Millard South Millard South a big win over North Star East big win over Columbus I'm not really sure what to expect from this game uh, but it's in it's intriguing in the sense of I know what these two teams have been before yeah. what are they now yeah. and it kind of is a measuring stick for both programs of, of where they're at this season
1: yeah and it's of course, the star power in this game. We all know Malachi Coleman for Lincoln East, who's really started to come on the past couple weeks and, and play some really good football. They've got the quarterback situation settled with Jeter Worley, using his arm and his legs to move that offense. So the, I think you feel pretty good there. Millard Southson an interesting story. Lost their quarterback for three weeks because he was down playing with the U18 yeah. <laughs> baseball team. He's a Vanderbilt commit. They got him back last week against North Star. There you go, Gators. Deal with that, that right off Exactly. And, and they score 49. So, yeah, they had a three-game losing streak. They also had it with maybe without their best player, it's certainly one of their most important players at quarterback. So you've got those guys back. The star power is going to be there. For for East, it's going to be can the defense keep them in? I don't know that East can win a shootout uh, in this game. I don't know if they have enough offensively to stay with Millard South. And, and it's kind of like every time a, a Lincoln school goes into the Metro. Can, can they match up? athletically, can they get the game into the second half, You know, and, and can you limit the mistakes? We saw Southwest go into the Metro and, and lose to Papillion La Vista a couple weeks ago by a couple touchdowns because they couldn't get their offense going. Right. This is the other way around. Can, I think there's going to be plenty of offense both ways in this one. It's Can, can East limit the mistakes, limit Miller-South's opportunities and give themselves a chance to, to, again, get that game into the second half and have a chance?
0: Yeah, and then, of course, the game we're talking about in the city, Southeast, Southwest. Boy, this is this this is setting up to be a good one. Yeah. Um, what what are a couple of keys uh, for for I, truthfully either team to win this game? I, I think they're pretty evenly matched to an extent, but there has to be one winner at the end of the day, and there has to there has to
1: be something that gives on one side. Yeah, I, I think you know I have Southeast number ten this week. It very easily could have been Southwest. I think you can kind of pick whichever one you want, and it, it it's fine. Southeast is playing really good football right now, three in a row. Uh, they've won after the 0-2 start. Southwest is 4-1, had the tough loss last week, rebounded this week. And I think it's a game where the, the battle up front is, is going to decide it. You know, and, and that was a deal where Southwest had to replace all five of their offensive linemen. They had to replace two of their three defensive linemen from last year. Those guys, for the most part, have done a pretty good job. Now, on the other side of that, Southeast has a lot of experience back. Obviously, Gunnar Gatula is the guy everybody knows on that offensive line, but they've really settled into a nice rhythm with their running game. That was something Ryan Gatula talked about after their game the other night. They, they've really kind of found something there um, with with a couple different guys running the ball. Max Butenbach, his younger brother Cash, have kind of, kind of taken over those running back duties. And then... They're getting enough in the—I shouldn't say enough. They're getting a lot out of the passing game from Owen Baxter, who's just been really efficient. I think he was 6-for-7 um, or 7-for-8 against Miller North the other night. So they can they can move the chains on you. They're not going to necessarily hit you with an 80-yard touchdown, but they can move the chains, and they can get it in 15, 20-yard chunks if, if they need to. So this could be a big play-type game. You know, Southwest has a three-year starter at quarterback in Colin Fritton. Really great experience on the outside at receiver. They're great at running back um, They they've got the skill guys to I think make this a really interesting game and, and I'm sure they're putting on the film from that Miller North Southeast game and going well, if Miller North can do that You know, what are we gonna do? Yeah. You know, they, they that's that's a team that that moved the ball with with sophomores and juniors and we're gonna put seniors out there, so uh, it's I, I i go back and forth on this one. I don't know where it goes. I I think you maybe lean slightly to southeast side just because of that experience up front. They've maybe got just a little bit more there. But, again, I think it's two evenly matched teams. The 8 o'clock game at Seacrest, you're going to have all day to get amped up for it. I think it should be two good fan bases up there. It should be a fun atmosphere on a Friday. It's not the Thursday night game you know, where it's kind of, yeah, we kind of want to be there, but not really. There's still school tomorrow. No, this is a Friday night, 8 o'clock. Bragging rights in the city type game, probably probably the game of the year in the city, um, at least in the regular season. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think you could flip a coin and then probably not go wrong either way with who you wanted in that one.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll hold off on our our score predictions or winning predictions. I do really think this game could go either way. Yeah. There are a few more big games, uh, especially in Class A. Uh, one in Class B, Bennington Blair, that may be Bennington's last real test. It's a road yeah. test, but you look at Class A. You've got Bell West at Gretna, number five at number two, and you've got Grand Island at Kearney. Kearney, another chance to prove that they belong to be one of those top five teams.
1: Yeah, I bumped them up to number three last week, and they got North Platte last week, Grand Island this week. Probably their two biggest rivals. Grand Island, obviously the big one. And and if you're familiar with with that area, that part of the state, you know what that rivalry is, and it's like that across every sport out there. I worked, at, I covered Kearney for a lot of years when I lived in Kearney, and, and there's nothing quite like Kearney, Grand Island. You know, and, and so weird things happen in that game. There's been years when Kearney's been down and beat Grand Island. There's been years when Grand Island's been down and beat Kearney. This year they're both pretty good. You got two top 10 teams. Kearney's the surprise of Class A. I don't think there's any question about that with the way they've started the season. Brandon Cool is one of the best coaches in the state. Grand Island, it's not flashy. It's not always pretty. But they they play defense and they make you work and and they they're physical in the run game. I I think it's a it's a really really fun matchup and and again it's a game where it's tough to you look at the rankings and you say oh Carney should win that game, you can't do that in this game yeah. because because funky stuff always seems to happen. It would not shock me to see Grand Island win this game. It would not shock me to see Carney win this game by a couple of touchdowns. I think everything's on the table with that game and and like you said it's. It's a deal where Kearney's got a chance to to prove itself again against a ranked opponent. They've done it against Bellevue West on the road. Now you're doing it at home, uh, and you had so many road games to start the season. Now you've had got your second row in Kearney, where you don't have to get on a bus and drive two or three hours and play on a Thursday night, even which is what they were doing. So, yeah, if if you're Kearney, that's a golden opportunity to say, hey, you know what? We're this is legit, and we've got something here.
0: Any lean in Bellevue West, Gretna? I think. West has just kind of gotten the raw end of the deal in a couple of games, but Gretna seems to, much like you know West Side, Gretna kind of just seems like they're going to potentially cruise their way right to a, maybe another state title. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's a game, probably the shootout of the year. I mean, I think everybody's expecting that. Now we said it's going to be seventeen to fourteen or something right, like yeah. that, but 11 no, to 10, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope not. Yeah. man, alive. <laughs> um, two great quarterbacks, obviously, in Zane Flores and Danny Kalin, probably the two best quarterbacks in the state. Two teams that we know can score. Gretna probably a little better defensively than Bellevue West if you're just looking at scores and things like that. It feels like it's been kind of a quiet year for Gretna. They've just they've won so easily. It feels like, and and you look at the score, you go, man, they won by three score, three touchdowns, five touchdowns. Man, they made that look easy. It's been a little tougher for Bellevue West, and they, again, they played tough schedule. Close things. They have an extra point blocked against Carney, and Carney throws a 70 yard touchdown pass or whatever it was to win yeah. the game. You know, stuff like that. So, Bellevue West has two losses. It's like they got blown out, you know, in those games. The other loss was to Westside, which, again, a game they led at halftime. So, that's going to be really fun. I don't, I guess, if you're going to lean one way, you maybe lean Gretna because the defense is a little better. And with an Oklahoma State commit at the controls against Bellevue West defense, it's given up some points it, it kind of, logic kind of leads you towards the direction of the Dragons. But yeah, if they win that game, if they win that game handily, you know, make it look easy, boy, you you hate to do it, but you can kind of start to see the path where it, it might be a state championship rematch here in a, in a month and a half.
0: Absolutely. It kind of seems like we are we are on a crash course for Westside Gretna again if, if everything holds uh, holds chalk, essentially. But for Chris Bassett and I'm Cold Stone, it's been another episode of the Prep Extra Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week.